0: this week on the chicago bears review with the nfl draft only weeks away larry d talks to scott wright of draftcountdown.com to talk about the 2015 draft and how the bears should be approaching it what does scott wright think the bears should be doing and what does larry d think of that opinion all of this and so much more on the nfl draft preview episode up The Chicago Bears Review! Just under three weeks to go between now and the 2015 NFL Draft, which will be taking place in Sweet Home. Chicago what's going on everybody Larry D back for the NFL draft preview episode of the Chicago Bears review and the majority of this episode would be my awesome conversation that I had with Scott Wright the uh, the owner president creator of uh, NFL draft countdown.com or draft countdown.com you can get to the website um, in both ways we sat down we had an in-depth conversation just over an hour long so buckle your seatbelts kids you're going to be in uh, for a for a spell uh, on this one so um, you know we 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 talked about everything from the beginning of the website where it came from we also talked about the the NFL draft in general 2015 uh, you know what we can expect we talked a lot about Marcus Mariota before uh, you know in the general draft conversation and during The Bears section of the conversation, a good chunk of the Bears talk dedicated to uh, Marcus Mariota and and what the what the Bears should do there. So, um, you know, and, you know, honestly, I've I've come out and said this. I did it during the Football is America uh, appearance that I made uh, saying that I am completely against the Bears going out and getting uh, Mariota. After talking to Scott right about it, though, uh, I think I might be – I'm not so on the fence about the move. Um, I, I, I still would prefer the Bears not do it uh, at this point, but um, I wouldn't hate the move. And after listening to my talk with Scott Wright, you will see how it was he was able to talk me off the ledge. So um, uh, tons to talk about there. Uh, But before we dive into that, just real quick, uh, you know, basically since you've been gone uh, type deal. um, The last show was was released on the 25th uh, of March. So here's some of the moves the Bears have made just to kind of recap uh, Mason Foster I know I think I mentioned the Bears were still talking to him but no deal had been made they finally did come to a one-year deal with Mason Foster so add him to the inside linebacker uh, core that we do have in this new 3-4 uh, setup uh, we re- we signed Allen Ball away from the Jacksonville Jaguars to a one-year deal he's a cornerback Uh, We re-signed Sherrick McManus. He's been our special teams ace, Uh, so he'll be back once again. He was very excited, saw him on Twitter, uh, very excited about being back. And an interesting move, a backup running back now. We have Jacquez Rogers uh, from the Atlanta Falcons, uh, also a one-year contract uh, with the Bears. So Ryan Pace being very generous with the one-year contracts. He signed 12 guys, and I think nine of the 12 guys have signed one-year deals uh, with the bears um, very interesting guy Jacques Rogers he's he's very small uh kind of guy i think he's only like 57 uh or something like that but a very productive career in his time uh, in atlanta so um you know maybe he'll be our um Darren Sproles you know he'll be that small shifty guy that uh comes in uh you know kind of like Darren Sproles was for the for the Chargers and for the Eagles and the Saints uh you know in in, in his career and uh we signed another outside linebacker Sam I believe it's Ako Ako A-C-H-O is his last name away from the Arizona Cardinals and then three other moves uh that we made well four actually um Roberto Garza, he is no longer a Chicago bear. After 10 years of faithful service with the beloved blue and orange, the bears let him go. Uh, you know and it was a, a very nice thing. They did, you know, pay tribute to him uh, on the website. They thanked him uh, you know, for his service and everything. They did it with dignity. And, you know, and if anything, this regime, with, with Ryan Pace and, and such, is basically showing how, how to do it, whereas Phil Emery and Company basically showed us how not. To do it, as far as you know, saying goodbye to some of your legends. They they made peaceful splits with with Lance Briggs and telling him they weren't going to be bringing him back. They the, you know they let go Roberto Garza to where it's not like it's not going to be a Brian Erlacher bitter pill to swallow type situation. These guys obviously not happy about uh, being let go or not coming back uh, to the Bears, but not being done so where they feel like they're being slapped in the face uh, in, in doing so. Uh, We also released uh, safety Anthony Walters, who was more of a special teams guy than a contributor on the field. Uh, And to replace Roberto Garza, we signed Will Montgomery, uh, who is very familiar with uh, John Fox. He was his center Uh, out there in Denver signed him to a one-year contract. So more of a younger version of Roberto Garza, where he's going to be 36, 37 this year. Garza, Will Montgomery, is 31, 32. So the guy with a a little bit more tread on the tires than than Garza has to offer. And then finally, it's not a move that the Bears made, but a move that was made yesterday. Uh, Peanut Tillman signed a one-year contract with the Carolina Panthers. So he's officially no longer a Chicago Bear so that is a that was a sad sad thing for me to read online yesterday that uh Peanut Tillman is is officially not a Chicago Bear uh signed with the Carolina Panthers so he's being reunited with Ron Rivera and um you know I hope he can stay healthy I hope he can play his ass off down there and he goes out on his terms as opposed to uh you know the injuries showing him the door so um Happy that Tillman's got another spot, just unhappy that it's not with us here uh, in Chicago. So, those are the uh, the moves of note, and uh, kind of brings you up to speed on what the Bears uh, have been doing. Um, and now onto this interview with uh, with Scott Wright. We'll get to that here in just a second. Um, you know, like I said, um, you know, Scott's, uh, you know, he's he's living the dream. Basically, this guy was he's turned his hobby into his career we'll hear him talk about that very beginning of the uh of the conversation here so i'm eternally jealous that uh you know he's able to do what he loves for a living and and turned a, a a a love for the draft into a a viable career uh so uh you know take note kids it can happen to you too so you know it's not just uh, don't 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 let your hobbies just be your hobbies sometimes they can actually be your job if you're lucky enough so um Anyway, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get to this conversation with uh, Scott Wright from NFLDraftCountdown.com, an awesome conversation, and we hope to have him back on the show after the draft at some point to uh, to, to kind of do an analysis of this draft class that the Bears are going to be putting together for us. Will we be talking about a Mariota uh, deal uh, being in? Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. place with the Bears, uh, you know, do it Um, and his different take on on actually the Bears not having to go to number two uh, to get Mariota. Maybe they don't have to trade up that far uh, to get him. So maybe some maneuvering to be done uh, by the Bears uh, and so on. So uh, right now, without further ado, my conversation with Scott Wright of DraftCountdown.com. Yeah, 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 yeah. Say yeah 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 say yeah 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 say yeah 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 say yeah, yeah, yeah. Say yeah, yeah, yeah. Say yeah 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 all right and here we are with Scott Wright from NFLdraftcountdown.com uh with uh, well not we but I have had Scott on uh, the previous show and uh, Ryan Simmons did the Uh, And I did the uh, Sports Talk Underground podcast many years ago. Scott Wright was kind enough to join us a couple of times on the show to talk about uh, the NFL draft. So here we are to bring Scott again to talk about the draft and, of course, to talk about our beloved Chicago Bears and this very interesting draft they have coming up. Scott, how are we doing today?
1: I'm doing excellent. Thanks for having
0: me. Fantastic. Thank you. And... So Scott, um, just for anybody out there who, who may be, and I don't know who would be at this point, but who is not familiar with, uh, with the website, should go ahead and tell us how long you've been doing the website, how it came to be, and, and so on?
1: I actually started the website, obviously, on a much smaller scale. But back in 1997, I remember one of the very first mock drafts I put on the Internet. I had junior quarterback Peyton Manning going number one overall to the New York Jets, just kind of perspective. So I've been doing this a while. I've been doing it full time since 2003. Um, like you said, uh, it's either NFLDraftCountdown.com or DraftCountdown.com. We'll get to there. Uh, all the, the basics that, that, that you expect from a draft site. i got an in-depth mock draft with tons of analysis. I'm working on an update right now, actually. Um, rankings, hundreds and hundreds of players ranked by position. Uh, overall, uh, o- Top overall sleepers, overrated, underrated. Uh, I've got career stats for all of them. So uh, lots of good stuff. You can check out the Draft Countdown podcast. Uh on iTunes and you can follow me on Twitter at draft countdown. But basically I I, I started the website in, in high school as a hobby. Uh, I was just a huge fan of the draft and it was kind of an outlet for me to put my thoughts out there and, and practice, be, practice writing because I was planning to go to college for sports journalism, which I eventually did. I, I got a degree in journalism, but while I was in college, I, I kept the website going. And by the time I graduated, it had grown to the point where, Instead of maybe taking a an entry level job at a newspaper, which was kind of a dying industry, much much more so now than I even realized at the time, right. I figured I'd give it a shot with uh, making a go of the, the website, and and it, it's been incredible. I it, I couldn't ask for a, a a better career. I get to watch, write, and talk about football for a living. So if you had told me back in 1997 uh, that I'd still be doing this so almost 20 years later, I wouldn't have be- be- believed you, but I would have been very happy if that came to fruition.
0: Yeah, no kidding. That's, uh, and ladies and gentlemen, the luckiest man alive right here, in <laughs> uh, Scott Wright. So, how talk? Take me through the the process here, Scott. I mean, I uh, one of my questions that I wrote down here was, how far ahead in preparations for the draft do you go? I mean, do you have already stuff for 2016 on the board, or are we just focusing on 2015 right now?
1: I tend to focus on the current class, and of course, I know some of the big names. And just as a byproduct of watching college football, I'm familiar with some of the big names to keep an eye on for the future. But um, really, the reason is twofold. One, I-, I think it's a disservice to players to a certain degree to shortchange them and evaluate them maybe halfway through their college career or three quarters of the way through their college career. I like to place more of an emphasis on the- the- their final year uh, when when. to to give a more accurate reading of what type of player they are. And then the second factor is I'm a one man show. So there's only so many hours of the day. There's only so much content that I can uh, produce. I'd love to produce way more content, but like I said, there's only so many hours in the day, but, uh, uh, but while that's a, 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 a a deficiency to a certain degree. I think it's also a benefit because at at least with my rankings over the years, I post all my past rankings and mock drafts on the site. I think, you know, you're getting a consistent voice. You don't have 10 people contributing, contributing. There's not a lot of cooks in the kitchen, right or wrong. I'm I'm going by my opinion, and you can kind of look back at my track record over the years and decide how much uh how, how much weight you want to put into that. But I, I think that's one of the benefits of, of being a one-man show is is there's a, a degree of consistency, and especially since I've been doing it for a while, there's a long track record.
0: Absolutely. So so how do you come about your rankings? I mean, I, I think I remember uh, when we in when Ryan and I interviewed you years ago that you actually do get your hands on on the film so that you can make these evaluations yourself so do not you take us through that
1: and, and there really isn't just one source uh I, I of course keep my own list i have lots of contacts that i've developed over years whether it be within the league uh within agencies within the media uh and and uh, i i'm fortunately i'm able i'm able to get some of the inside information and get heads up on players maybe a little earlier than i normally would have or would have in the past uh, it, but then, like you said, it, it, in watching the film, and, and I got to say, it's a lot easier to, to watch the players now than it was when I first started 15, I 20 bet. years ago yeah. with, with the internet. I mean, you have sites like Draft Breakdown and and the the, the, the film, the, the TV film isn't always ideal for evaluating every position. Uh, specifically, quarterbacks, maybe wide receivers, cornerbacks, safeties. You, you want to try to get that high angle all 22. But but for offensive and defensive linemen, there, and even linebackers, there's no reason you can't evaluate players like that off of the off of the film that's available on the internet now. And in the past, I'd have to beg, borrow, and plead for colleges to send me. Uh, VHS tapes, really dating myself, but it was right. VHS oh God, tapes yeah. back in the day, and now it's move, moved into DVDs, and now basically uh, the majority of it is uh, is digital. So it's really uh, changed, the Internet's really changed the landscape of the NFL draft on so many levels. But uh, but yeah, I don't know if I can pinpoint one specific source where uh, I, I use this as a starting point. Uh, it, it's really a culmination of a, a bunch of different entities.
0: Yeah, I bet technology has definitely made things easier. My, my best friend is a, uh, an assistant coach at a high school, and, and I remember when we were in high school how our head coach would talk about having to drive an hour and yep. a half uh, to, to meet the, the other opposing head coach so they could exchange tapes where now my best friend on his iPad – is uploading and watching films from opposing high schools, just at the at the high school level is, is how, you know, technology has made things so much easier. I can't imagine, you know, snail mail and, and having to fast forward and rewind through VHS tapes to now being able to pull something up on your computer or on your, God forbid, your your cell phone, wherever you may be on the planet to be able to to take a look at something while you got a free minute or two.
1: It really is incredible, and I, you think of of kids today, they're not going to realize what it's like to live in a world w- without all of these draft resources out there. I remember when yeah. I was a kid, I had to call Mel Kuyper's 1-900 number and pay <laughs> two bucks a minute or whatever it is to get my latest draft scoop, but it's just incredible. Not only the resources, but connecting other draft nicks i i'm I'm from a small town in minnesota when i was growing up i didn't have people to talk draft with that's why i'm calling mel kiper on the 900 number uh but nowadays you can connect with other people who are as passionate about the draft as as you are and and i think that's been a huge reason why the the nfl draft has grown by leaps and bounds like it has it's just it's absolutely a different world than it was when i first started even 15 20 years ago And, and it's changed for the better no question about that
0: right have you been to the draft
1: you know, I've never actually gone to the NFL draft and, and i all everybody tells me I need to go, but I, I, I have to admit, I, I kind of like dork out on draft day. I like having my draft board crossing off the players uh, as they're picked. Uh, uh, eventually I'm going to go just so I can say I have experienced it, but uh, I, I'm kind of content just to hunker down in my own homemade war room, watch the draft on TV, talk to everybody on the internet. And, and then of course I, I'm, I'm working. I'm writing analysis of the picks as they happen, so uh, it, it's kind of tough to do. But but it's definitely on my bucket list. I'm eventually going to go because I, I've i heard it's a fantastic experience.
0: Well, I figured that this if if you hadn't been that this year might be the year because I I knew that you're from Minnesota. Are you still in Minnesota?
1: I am still in Minnesota, so it's okay. not too too far to uh, Chicago. Yeah, there, it's, it's only about a six seven hour drive. Um, and I so have some buddies uh, that are thinking of going. Right. But but, uh, but like I say, uh especially the first year, I think I'm going to kind of wait and see how they, uh, how they work out the kinks and how it works uh, holding a new venue. But I think that's exciting that they moved the draft to, uh, to Chicago this year. Of course, one of the main reasons they did it was because there was a booking conflict with their, their normal venue in New York. But I, I think this is a great way, and, and it's going to open the doors for a lot of people who, who maybe haven't been able to attend a draft to get there because it's a little more centrally located uh, as opposed to on the East Coast.
0: Well, and and the other thing is um, that it also might not be in Chicago next year. Maybe they go back to New York or they go to L.A. because Chicago wasn't the only city on the list when they were talking about moving it.
1: Yep, and the NBA used to do that, too. They would go to different locations every year. I I remember one year I was in Minnesota, and I attended the NBA draft. I think it was in 2000, 2001. So uh, it's definitely a great idea. And and this is going to be a a litmus test in Chicago. Hopefully everything goes smoothly. The weather is good because I know they have a a lot of stuff planned for outdoors. So hopefully there's no rain and it's warm. (laughs) But but, uh, I, I think it's a fantastic idea to kind of spread the gospel of the NFL draft even more.
0: Yeah, if anything can ruin this thing, it can be midwestern weather in the spring so that's 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 going to be a total crap shoot going into it and and uh yeah so I, I don't know how well that might work out for him but <laughs> well we know. just
1: got about four inches of snow in minnesota earlier this oh, week wow. so <laughs> so you never know when it's coming uh hopefully it's gonna be good weather for draft day though knock on wood
0: right yeah, knock on wood absolutely um so you 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 kind of alluded to it you, your own little draft day rituals you have your own kind of war room thing. Uh, going on, you're crossing names off the board. Has that been since you were, since before the website started, or is that kind of something you've been doing since the, since you did get it into, into high gear with the website?
1: I've been doing it for about 10 years now. I think I've been making right. my own draft board. And what I do is I, I print up all of the labels with my, uh, with the players, their college, their, their, and their measurables, and then I put them in the order of my rankings on, on poster board. Uh, and then I, I just use a highlighter to cross guys off as they're picked. And it's just, it's just a really Really valuable resource on draft day because if you get to a team, you're like, okay, we're the San Diego Chargers. They need a, a offensive tackle. Who's the best offensive tackles available? It's just really. Uh, a a really nice resource and and for people who want to make their own uh the week of the draft i always make my labels available to download so if you want to download them and make your own board to, to to keep track uh i encourage you to do that because like i say you just don't realize how valuable it is until you actually use it so i've been doing i think the first year i started making a board uh a physical draft board was 2001 and i've been doing it ever since
0: okay all right so let me ask you something because i've had people, and by people I mean women mostly, that think that I'm nuts, that I look forward to watching the draft, because when you, when you, when you describe what the draft is to people, it, it really doesn't do justice to how exciting and fun the actual draft is, because basically it's a bunch of people sitting around in a room picking teams is all it is. like Basically you can imagine you and your friend standing in a playground, I'll take that guy, I'll take this one, you take this one, I'll take that one, doesn't sound very exciting, but have you gotten you know that kind of heat from people about being a draft guru or being draft nut and being excited about the draft coming up?
1: Oh, absolutely, and and not as much as as back in the day, but but even now when my, when my mom tries to explain to people what I do she can't even get it right. So, uh, <laughs> so they have like little or no chance of understanding. But um I, I think it's become much more uh, accepted. I, I think just nerd culture in general has become more accepted. Uh, oh, maybe yeah. it's, maybe it's because we can all connect via the internet. Now we're not as, as isolated as we would have been back in the day. But I, I think the, the, the rise of the NFL draft, it, it, it comes down to basically two major factors. I, I think one, There's just so many layers of intrigue, whether it be the trades up or down or the players sliding. There's just so many things that could happen. And then the second, uh, I think, big factor with why the draft has become as popular as it has is because it's the one day where every team has hope. Whether you're the Super Bowl champion trying to repeat or you're the worst team in the league trying to rebuild, this is the day that you can get that next piece. That's going to lead you to the promised land. So I think those are the two big reasons we've seen the draft uh, popularity increase uh, by leaps and bounds like it has. And, and then the other factor too, uh, that, that goes along with it is just, I, I mean, when it comes to the draft, there, there's just, sorry about that. My, my mic cut off there for a second, but the other factor is just the rise in popularity of football in general. I mean, yeah. Yeah. NFL, not only NFL football, but college football and, and the NFL Draft is the perfect meeting of those two. And, and, and with college football, too, it's not like the NBA Draft where you have players play one year in college, then they go pro. These are players that we've seen watch, that we've watched develop for two, three, four, maybe even five or six years. So there's a, a, a level of familiarity with NFL Draft prospects, more so than I think there is with NBA prospects. And, and I think that's one reason the NFL Draft has overtaken the NBA Draft.
0: Okay. All right, so let's dive into the draft then, and and one of the questions that I had obviously is going to be about those top two picks. You know, Jameis Winston, uh, Marcus Mariota, the, the, it's, it's been labeled a two-quarterback draft, and this was the same thing that we had going into 2012 with Russell Wilson and Andrew Luck. The interesting part there being that arguably the best quarterback in that draft was taken in the third round by the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson. Now... My question is, is there a Russell Wilson in this draft that's going to overshadow the guys that are going to go one and two this year?
1: Well, I mean, we didn't think Russell Wilson was going to be Russell Wilson, which is why he <laughs> was available in the third round. So, right. but, but this quarterback class is really bad. It's honestly okay. one of the worst I've seen. Now, you do have two really talented guys at the top with James Winston and Marcus Mariota who might go – one one and two overall. But after that, it really drops off a cliff. Uh, And and honestly, if if you're looking for a starting quarterback and you don't get Winston Mariota, I don't know if you're going to get one, Uh, because after those two, it's basically a bunch of long term developmental projects or career backups. And I, I, uh, uh, the supply never meets the demand when it comes to quarterbacks in the NFL draft, but that's especially true this year. And I think you're going to see teams talk themselves into a Brett Hundley from UCLA, a Bryce Petty from Baylor, a Garrett Grayson from Colorado State, and maybe push them up the board a round or two earlier than they should be selected. But I, I kind of compare a guy like Hundley to uh, if, if you're in in the desert dying of thirst a thimble full of water looks pretty good it's not yeah. ideal but it's better yeah. than nothing and that's kind of what brett hundley is he he's a very flawed prospect uh, he could boom but he could also very easily bust i kind of compare him to jake locker but boy uh, his, he at least has the upside of potentially being a high level starting quarterback in the nfl and beyond winston and mariota there aren't too many guys you can say that about Over the last nine years, there's been an average of about 12 quarterbacks drafted uh, per year. I think the low-water mark was nine, and the high-level mark was uh, maybe 14. This year, there's maybe only six quarterbacks that I'd be willing to invest a draft pick on. Maybe one or two more I could be talked into really late, but uh, it's just really rough, and and I think that's going to make Winston and Mariota even more valuable than they ordinarily would be. It's just a a bad year for quarterbacks.
0: Okay, so the last couple of years, 2013 uh, and 2014, there have been some teams that kind of came out of nowhere to make a surprise leap up the board. In 2013, it was the Dolphins that jumped all the way up to number three and they took uh, Deion Jordan. Last year it was the Bills jumping up to take Sammy Watkins uh, in the first round at number four. Do you see anybody in this year's draft possibly doing that maybe to lump up to number two? maybe to get Mariota. Please don't say the Bears are going to do that.
1: <laughs> well, well, we can talk about that angle in a little bit, but I do think there's going to be a trade in the top five, and I think somebody is going to trade up for Oregon quarterback Marcus Mariota. Okay. Assuming James Winston goes number one to the Buccaneers, I don't think the Titans are going to take Mariota. And, of course, what a shock. A few weeks before the draft, there, there's talk about the Titans' renewed interest in Mariota, but right. I truly believe that is a, a ploy to to ramp up the trade offers. Uh, I just don't think Mariota is a fit for Kev, what Ken Wisenhunt wants to do. So I, I think they're open to a trade, but I don't know if a team that wants Mariota has to go up that early because if you're confident the Titans aren't going to take Mariota, you know the Jaguars aren't going to at three, you know right. the Raiders aren't going to at four. Right. So I think Washington at number five is the spot, and, and they could very well take Mariota for themselves. It's not like Jay Gruden is sold on on any of the, uh, on Robert Griffin III or <laughs> Kirk Cousins, but I think that's the spot if you're trying to trade up for Mariota to maybe target. Uh, and, and I think the front runner would be the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they right. have two first round picks at 12 and 19. They've already shown an inclination toward wanting to upgrade that position this offseason. Uh, with offering a first-round pick to the Rams for Sam Bradford before he went to Philly. Uh, it, it, the tea leaves are not reading too well on Johnny Manziel, so I think if Cleveland wanted Marcus Mariota, they have the ammunition to get it done. It's just a matter of whether they or any other team is willing to pay the price to move into the top five, which is which is not going to be cheap, but I, I think Cleveland would make a lot of sense. I do think the Bears would make sense, and you can maybe we can talk about that maybe when we talk about them specifically, but yeah. I think there is a deal that would make sense there between the Bears and the Titans. Otherwise, watch out for the San uh, San Diego Chargers. Uh, I think their hand would have to be forced, but there's talk that maybe Phillip Rivers uh, would would like a a change of scenery, uh, and and he'd be a perfect fit in Tennessee. He's exactly what Ken Wisenhunt is looking for. If a deal gets made there, maybe the Chargers could be in the mix, or or maybe it'll be a wild-card team completely all left field that we aren't expecting. uh, I have one. uh, 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 Let's hear it.
0: The New Orleans Saints—they're the other team that has two first-round picks in this year's draft.
1: They do have two first-round picks, but boy, I mean, I just think the Saints have bigger fish to fry. That defense is in such dire straits, and yeah. you basically have one or two years left with Drew Brees. And, uh,
0: and that's I, I why think... I say that they probably would yeah. punch the, you know, do it with the with Mariota, or that would be like the surprise team where it's wouldn't it would be a surprise, but not all that surprising, giving that. Drew Brees is, what, 36, 37 going yep. into this year?
1: Well, you're definitely right. They do, they do need to start preparing for the to replace him. It, it's inevitable. It's coming sooner rather than later. And, and I think that would be a perfect fit for a guy like Brett Hundley. There would be no pressure on him to play early on in his career. He could sit and learn for two to three seasons, not only behind one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, a future Hall of Famer, right. but also one of the best coaches in the NFL. In- Peyton I think that would be a great situation whether it be Brett Hundley or, or even a Bryce Petty from Baylor so I definitely think the Saints could be uh, looking for a quarterback relatively early on but I, I just don't know that they're in position to uh, to give up a bushel full of picks to move into the top five for a stud at that position I think right. they're trying to patch holes to make one more run before the clock runs out on Mr. Breeze.
0: Right I agree with you on that I just think like, you know they, they're they the other team that's got two first round picks uh, you know the, the the Sands are running out of the hourglass on uh on Drew Brees. So it, it does make sense to some extent for them to make a move like that, not to mention the fact that they're one of those teams that's in salary cap hell right now. So rather than trying to spend big money on another quarterback when Breeze finally does run out, you know, rookies aren't as expensive as they used to be. Um, so, it, you know, making a move like that would, would also be economical for them. I suppose uh, you
1: mentioned the Philadelphia Eagles too. Uh, I, I don't think that the, the speculation about Chip Kelly reuniting with Marcus Mariota is going to die until uh, until after Mariota's is off the board, and maybe not even then. So I still think that's unlikely. I just don't think it's I, I don't think it's uh, r- a reasonable for the Eagles to to give up just a uh, king's ransom to move all the way up from number twenty into the top two to five overall. But I, I think one thing with Chip Kelly we've learned is to never say never. <laughs>
0: Right. Okay. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, one of the things as an old offensive lineman that I've that have I've been unhappy with over the years as far as the NFL is concerned is how much passing has become important, how much running hasn't, because I was actually looking at your your rankings and such. And you've got Todd Gurley, the number four overall prospect in the draft. But, like, you know, when the mock drafts and things that I've been looking at have him going like no earlier than like 20. Uh, in the first round. So, you know, why is it that the stock of running backs has gone down even though it's still a very vital port of of the game?
1: Yeah, and, and philosophically, I would never take a running back in the top five overall, probably not even in the first round. But I think the fact that Todd Gurley... His position's been devalued. He's coming off a major knee injury, suffered halfway through the season, and he's still yeah. going to be a first-round pick, maybe even in the top 20 overall. Speaks volumes to, about what a special talent Todd Gurley is. Uh, one of the more talented runners to come along in in many years, and if he can just stay healthy, he can have a Marshawn Lynch type of impact and career. Uh, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if he still goes earlier than, than people expect. If he snuck into the top 15 to 20 overall, that would not surprise me in the least. Uh, and and uh, like you said, I think there's an important distinction to make. The the running back position has been devalued, but the running game hasn't necessarily been de-emphasized. Uh, you look right. at the Seattle Seahawks and Lynch running the ball is still very important. In the NFL, not as important as it once was, but it's still very important. But I just think teams have realized that they don't need to make a significant investment in that position to find a productive runner. Uh, When you have this finite pie of resources and you have to figure out how to divvy up the slices, it just doesn't make fiscal sense to give a big hunk of it to a running back when you know, you could get a, a, a thousand yard rusher in the fourth round at a fraction of the cost. So, That's why even though I I like a number of the running backs in this draft, it might be the strongest position in this class top to bottom. And and I actually think the sweet spot for running back is going to be the middle rounds, round three, round four, even round five. You're looking at names like Mike Davis from South Carolina, Jeremy Langford from Michigan State, Buck Allen from USC, David Johnson from Northern Iowa. I could go on and on really good mid, even late round running backs that are going to be available. So um, just like I said, philosophically, if I ran an NFL team, I would never – draft a running back really early or, or even give one a second contract. I just think history has shown us that you can get productive runners all throughout the draft, but uh, just in terms of ranking guys by talent, I, I just can't justify keeping Todd Gurley out of the top five overall. He is a special prospect, and, and honestly, even though the running back position has been devalued, if Gurley hadn't blown out his knee, he might very well have gone in the top ten overall still.
0: Wow. Well, you were just channeling your inner Ryan Simmons on that one, because that's what he says Every year I would never take a running back in the first round because uh, you can find him, you know, he almost has a dime a dozen philosophy about uh, running backs uh, as far as when you can draft them and things like that. So I was, I was getting, you know, uh, flashbacks of listening to, to Ryan talk about his, his draft philosophy on running backs. And uh, I, and I would, I, I would draft one
1: every year. I would draft one every year and have one ready. So when when the starter's contract runs out, I'll let him go off to greener pastures, and I'll have a, a replacement ready. So uh, that that would be my philosophy. And, and and there's something to be said for having an elite guy like a, an Adrian Peterson or or a Marshawn Lynch. But um, but like I say, I, I'm content with having a 1,200 yard rusher instead of a 1,500 yard rusher if I can get him for one twentieth of the cost
0: right yeah exactly so as far as position groups you said that you just said that the running back was the strongest um and let's talk let's talk about the depth of the waters here because obviously you think you it sounds like quarterback may be the shallowest position in this draft what's the deepest
1: Running back is right there. I think wide receiver is really strong again. Uh, maybe not quite as strong as last year, which was going to go down, I think, as in a historic class of pass catchers, but still pretty darn good to the point where I think you're going to be able to get wide receivers maybe a round or two later than you normally would. Uh, you're going to get a third-round talent in the fourth round, a second-round talent in the third round, and right on down the line. Uh, I, and, and I think... A uh, uh, cornerback is another position with a lot of depth. Maybe not uh, that uh, that elite stud at the top. There isn't a Deion Sanders or a Champ Bailey type, but really good depth. I think you're gonna be able to get a solid cover guy, second, third, fourth, even fifth round. I really like this inside linebacker crop, and I know it's not a, a really sexy position, but uh, I, I think it. On average, there's been about five inside linebackers taken in the top 100 over the last decade. I think we could see five in the top 50 alone this year. Oh, okay. uh, so, so really, really good depth. I think with that 30 to 50 range, we're going to see a really r- real run on inside linebackers. I like the guard class too. another position that's not really sexy, but I think you gonna be able to get a really good interior blocker in the middle rounds. And then there's a lot of pass rushers, especially off the edge, but they're going to come off the board early and often. So uh, if you need one, you better get one early because I think by the time the third round rolls around, the pickings are going to be slim when it comes to pass rushers. So even there's a, even though there's a bunch of them, that's a that's a, a skill set that's always in demand, really at every level of football, but especially in the NFL. So uh, if you need one, you better get a pass rusher early, even though there are a bunch of them. And then in terms of another weak position, I would throw tight end out there along with quarterback. Okay. Uh, tight end, you have a top three, and this is even assuming you uh, include Devin Funches from Michigan as a tight end, which I do. Uh, then you have Max Williams from Minnesota, Clive Walford from Miami. Then after that, there's a big drop-off. And I think you can make an argument for someone like Jeff Hireman from Ohio State or, or maybe a Tyler Croft from Rutgers. But for the most part, after that top tier of tight ends, you're looking at mostly developmental guys and career backups. So uh, tight ends, another position where if you need one, I recommend getting one early this year.
0: Okay. All right. So that, that stole my other question. I was going to ask you, what's another shallow uh, position besides uh, quarterback so tight ends and quarterbacks um, what on the defensive side you're, you mentioned the pass rudgers who's the overall best defensive prospect in this year's draft
1: well, I think the first guy off the board is probably going to be Dante Fowler Jr. of Florida who can play either defensive end or outside linebacker, and and there's a lot to like about him, and, and the reason I think he's going to be the first defender off the board is because he's, uh, excuse me, Leonard Williams from USC is going to be the first defender off the board, but in terms of the pass rushers, I think Fowler is going to get the edge over that group that includes Randy Gregory from Nebraska, Vic Beasley from Clemson, Bud Dupree from Kentucky, uh, Shane Ray from Missouri, simply because he's the safest of that group. He might not have as high of an upside as a guy like Gregory but I think you, there's a, a degree of cost certainty there with Dante Fowler Jr. and he looks the part physically he's top intangibles you just wish he were more consistently impactful when you watch him play uh, a guy that talented you just think should have take over games more than he did at the college level but I think Fowler's probably gonna go somewhere in that top three to five overall but but as I said Leonard Williams from USC is the top my top prospect in this draft, regardless of position, offense or defense. Uh, I, I'm really stingy with my elite grade. I only give it to a small handful of guys every year. Right. This year, one player got it. It's Leonard Williams. I think wow. he's a true blue-chip defensive line prospect, whether it be a 4-3 or 3-4 defense, defensive tackle, defensive end. I think the Richard Seymour comparisons are very apt, And 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 Leonard Williams, in my opinion, is the one blue-chip, elite prospect in this class. Jameis Winston would have that honor as well, if not for the off the field concerns, but, right. uh, but uh, Leonard Williams, and, and I, th- I think he's getting a little bit of a, a bad rap right now, because if, if you're looking for Leonard Williams, he's not going to have these flash plays like Jadavian Clowney. He's never going to be a 20 sack a year type of player. That's just not who he is, but he is a terrific all around player against both the run and the pass. He can play in any system or scheme and, A lot of what Leonard Williams does doesn't necessarily show up in the box score. Uh, He does all the little things, and a lot of time he funnels production to other guys so they can make plays. But uh, Leonard Williams, if you're not going to take a quarterback at the top, you better be taking Leonard Williams because uh, he is a a, a real difference maker up front in the D line.
0: All right. Okay, so let's move it over to the main event here. This is why you're here, Scott. We're here to talk about the Bears and. this draft, this all-important draft, brand new regime uh, at the head, um, you know Ryan Pace, the brand new GM, John Fox, the new head coach. Do you know much about Ryan Pace and his history with the with the Saints? Uh, you had any interaction with any other play? You know, have you actually ever spoken to Ryan Pace before?
1: I haven't. And, you know, I know him by reputation and we kind of know uh, to a certain degree where he comes from and what his his philosophies might be. But that's always a wild card when when you have a team with a new decision maker in charge or a new regime, front office regime. Um, They're a little bit of a wild card. We saw last year at the Miami Dolphins and Dennis Hickey made some somewhat unorthodox moves in the draft. And and so far, I think they're working out. But um, we never really know. It's a lot easier to project for a team that that has maybe a decade long track record of what they look for, what types of players they covet, what skill sets that that they uh, they value. So, It's going to be a little tougher in the case of the Bears this year with Ryan Pace, but by all accounts, uh, he's a very respected guy around the league and and a real up-and-comer. But it'll be interesting to see how he tackles this first draft because uh, the Bears, they're going to have some options available to him. And and I think think how he handles this draft, especially that top-ten pick, is really going to give us some insight into what his philosophy for the organization is going to be.
0: Well, according to his introductory press conference, which I watched with bated breath when I, because, you know, of the candidates there, I had never heard of him before, and yet he's the one that the Bears pick, which is in true Bear fashion, if you know anything about the organization. Um, he said that he wants to be one of those guys that uses free agency as a tool so that the best player available is who they take in the, in the draft. So that's what he said in, in his in his press conference. Now... To that effect, I've been going around looking at all these mock drafts, and for the most part, since the whole mock draft process began, even right as the season ended, experts across the board can't seem to agree on who the Bears should be taking in with this number seven pick. Like All things being equal, no moves, no nothing, everything goes the way they think it should at number seven, five different experts give me five different draft picks as you know in the beginning it was Landon Collins from Alabama then it was Shane Ray from Missouri Danny Shelton from Washington now it's a flip-flop between the receivers Amari Cooper and Kevin White and then you know every now and then Marcus Mariota drops down to number seven and the Bears take him there now you know why is it do you think that the experts can't quite agree do the Bears have that many holes to fill?
1: I think it's more of a product of the the the, the ever-changing landscape since free agency started, and I, I think the Bears have done a good job of 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 giving themselves options with that number seven overall pick because they went out and addressed some of their more glaring needs in free agency in the secondary, at linebacker, uh, at pass rusher with Pernell McPhee. So so I, they're not really going to be backed into a corner that they have to address a, a, a certain position. Now I'm working on a new mock draft and the guy I actually have the bears taking at number seven is Amari Cooper, the wide receiver from Alabama, who I think would be a good fit both in terms of value and need. I think he'd be a perfect compliment to Alshon Jeffrey and, mm-hmm. and, and another pass catcher uh, would be useful since they parted ways with Brandon Marshall. So I, I think Amari Cooper could be that, 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 that guy where the, the, the need and the value kind of intersect and come together. So I, I think that's going to be the possibility. That's going to be the, the, the lead possibility right now, but uh, you, you look, Maybe a pass rusher or Vic Beasley from Clemson. You can never mm-hmm. have enough pass rushers, although, I do think the Bears have some options that they might want to see how it sorts itself out before making another major investment in a pass rusher. But they could take the top cornerback in the in the in this class, and Trey right. Waynes from Michigan State, I think he'd be an option. And then the other name, too, you hear mentioned sometimes is Danny Shelton, the nose tackle from Washington. Right. And, and Seven might be a little bit early, uh, and, and he'd upgrade the Bears. I think he'd be a good fit. But their new defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, you look at his time in San Francisco, and, and they were able to get by without making a big investment at nose tackle that's one of those areas where every year we thought they were going to bring in an upgrade but they were content to they were able to to get by with maybe some lower level talent so i don't know that that would be a number seven overall priority for them i guess right now i would say that Mari cooper would make the most sense or kevin white from west virginia uh one of those two wide receivers should be there at at number seven Uh, uh but uh but even if they're gone, I think even if both White and Cooper are gone, I think you could probably make a, a, a decent argument for Devontae Parker from Louisville. But I definitely think wide receiver is one of the the, the the areas that kind of stands out for the Bears that they still need to address.
0: Right. Um, so how about in the in the later rounds? Who are some guys that maybe in the second, third, fourth round that, um, you know, that the Bears maybe should focus on based on what well, actually before that? What do you think their draft needs are going into the draft this year?
1: Ah uh, well, I, I would definitely put wide receiver at the top of the list right now, and then okay. I think you got to focus on the defense, and uh, and uh, I think you have to look at the landscape, and, and too, if you're the Chicago Bears, and and say, okay, if if we address this position here, what's going to be available at this other need later on, and and wide receiver, there's a lot of depth, uh, so so you're gonna be able to get a good pass catcher as we talked about earlier well beyond the first round, so so maybe they're going to look at that situation and say, well, we know we can get a good pass catcher later on, especially if we're not necessarily looking for a number one go-to guy, but we're not going to have a chance to get the best cornerback in the draft later on. So maybe that tilts the scale in the favor of a Trey Waynes. So I, I think th- th- they have to consider that as well. But uh, if they don't go wide receiver, I think they're going to be looking defense best available defensive player because they could probably use help at all three levels. Uh, even the Jay Ratliff, Ray McDonald, they're, they're kind of at the end of their career. Right. Um, Will Sutton and Ego Ferguson are still somewhat unproven. So uh, I, I think really, d-line linebacker or defensive back i think you can make an argument uh that the bears have needs at all three levels so if they don't go wide out i think just best available defensive player
0: okay so how about in those in those later rounds? say we take amari cooper or kevin white in the first round what second third fourth round what are some of those names that we should be looking forward to in, in those later rounds
1: yeah, and, and it really just depends where you're looking. Do you, do you think – what do you think? I mean, do you think D-line, linebacker, secondary? What do you think the next priority after wide receiver?
0: Well, the, the one position that we didn't touch in free agency, we got defensive lineman, we got some outside linebacker in pass rushes, we signed a, a couple of corners, we signed a new safety, we haven't touched the inside linebacker position, and I think that's where the Bears are weak right now on the defensive side as far as where they're adding bodies – Um, You know, they've got young guys and not so good guys in the inside linebacker spot. And there's not, you know, as far as, you know, what the experts are saying, like yourself, there is not that one elite inside linebacker that the Bears should take at number seven. So that's where I was thinking second, third, fourth round is where they would try to attack the inside linebacker position.
1: And they did bring in Mason Foster, and, and this that, is another that's right. and, and this is another area too, though, where it, it, the the new staff, the new regime, we really don't know how they feel about some of the youngsters. Maybe they love John Bostic or Kasim Green right. or Christian Jones. Uh, it, th- that's why there's definitely a, a level of guesswork when you have uh, somebody in charge who doesn't have a long track record. But uh, assuming they go wide receiver with that first pick, I'm going to say defensive back. I'm going to say cornerback, because I think that's an area, whether it be the second or third round, where they could get a, a, a really good value. And, and I think that's an area they need to upgrade. I, I think Tim uh, Kyle Fuller uh, is going to be a keeper of their first round pick a year ago. But uh, Tim Jennings, uh, I think, is a fringe starter. And, and even if you consider him a really good number two, the depth leaves something to be desired, to say the least. So I think there's going to be some good value at cornerback later on. Uh, uh, maybe in the in the second round, you look at a guy like how about P.J. Williams from Florida State, who who has some off-the-field issues? He just recently got picked up for a DUI, which is never a good idea no. a month before the NFL draft. But, boy, he's talented. P.J. Williams, I think you can make an argument that – Based on plug-and-play right now, if you had to play a game tomorrow, P.J. Williams might be the second-best cornerback in this class. Now, he doesn't have as much upside as some of the guys he's kind of jockeying for a position with, but P.J. Williams, I think, could be a steal in late round two or even into round three. Uh, Ronald Darby from Florida State's another guy, a little inconsistent, but very physically talented. Uh, and one other name I'll mention maybe in the third round to watch out for with the Bears. How about Ifo Ekpre-Alomo from Oregon, who's kind of been the forgotten man now because he suffered an injury late in the season. And, uh, and isn't quite healthy yet, but came into the, the year as, as one of the top-ranked seniors in the country regardless of the position. Uh, not, doesn't necessarily have the prototypical size and speed you look for, but he plays bigger and faster. He's a playmaker in the secondary. He's a ball hawk, and he's just a good football player, and, and, and he could have, help you out at either cornerback or safety potentially. So I think Ifo Alomo is going to be an interesting guy for defensive back needy teams uh, right there, whether it be late round three, early round four.
0: How many times did you have to practice that name before you got it right?
1: Uh, that one wasn't too bad. The tough one was the UCLA defensive end, Owamabe Odigizua. That that one took wow. a few days to kind of master. But I, I always say that uh, I, I I make an effort to learn the pronunciation of these names. I even have a pronunciation ga- guide on the site with uh, about 100 prospects that have uh, difficult names. Because so, I figure uh, you can't talk. Uh, it, it's hard for people to take you seriously if you can't pronounce their names. So I, I definitely make an effort to do that. But uh, but Ifo uh, he wasn't too bad. I, I've dealt with worse.
0: Okay, you know, because when you hear those those two names, you just rattle off. They're like, oh, he's just showing off now. That's <laughs> it's just throwing that out there. It I, also, I, sounds I, like a name for the Key and Peele All Stars on on Comedy Central. There, that especially that that one that you just. What was the second one again?
1: I've got to say, it is kind of fun to say Owamabi oh, Odigizua. Oh,
0: there you go. Yeah, that that's per. I can totally see Key or Peele in those in the red or blue jerseys with some some wild out haircut or whatever you just said, I could totally see that happening there. So, so, okay. So we, we've gotten, you know, we're second, third round guys. What are some of the, the, the prospects, maybe the undrafted free agents that you could see um, maybe, you know, hanging, getting on with somebody, some of those, like those seventh rounders that don't get drafted kind of guys that you think should still catch on with a, uh, with the roster somewhere.
1: Well, it, and it's hard to say because there's such a fine line between being a 6th or 7th round pick or a priority free agent. And, and I, hate to, I hate to say that as a cop-out, but it really is true. There's, there's literally hundreds and hundreds of players competing for the last maybe 100, 100 spots in the draft. So right. a lot of times it just comes down to beauty in the eye of the beholder. So, so some of the names I mentioned here might get drafted, they might not get drafted. But, but one, one player who I'm kind of intrigued by in the late rounds uh, is Auburn tight end C.J. Uzoma. A big athletic kid. I think he was underutilized to a certain degree in that offense. So I like him. I mentioned the depth at running back. I think you're gonna be able to get a a potential starter at running back on day three. Uh, I like Michael Dyer from Louisville, who everyone remembers as a freshman at Auburn had a terrific season then had some off the field issues and bounced around before ending up at Louisville. I think he's an intriguing late round runner, Terrence McGee from LSU, Uh, Carlos Williams from Florida state, rare blend of of size and speed at the running back position. He's going to be a day three pick. So I I think there's definitely going to be some value there. Uh, Quarterback, nope I I don't know I am I'm I'm usually of the opinion that if I ran a team I would bring in a developmental quarterback every year right uh just for the sake competition practice squad number three what what Whatever it might be this year, I don't. I don't know that there's a single quarterback that I'd. Uh, I'd feel comfortable taking late. Maybe a Brandon Bridge from South Alabama or a Brian Bennett from Southeastern Louisiana, but. Uh, but just a, a really rough year uh, in terms of those quarterbacks, and then I think inside linebacker too. We talked early about that depth at the at the top of the draft, where we might have five of them go in the top fifty overall, which would be well above average, but. I think a Taiwan Jones from Michigan State, if he's there on day three, I think he's a really intriguing guy. Um, Big, physical, can play inside or outside. Some athletic limitations, but nothing uh, too glaring. So that's one guy I would would kind of point out as a late rounder, uh, free agent. Uh, So, and like I say, I could go on and on uh, about, about late round type guys, but those are just a handful of names that I would keep, keep an eye out for that could be values. And I also have on the site, I have a, a overrated and underrated players, guys that I think are probably going to come off the board a little earlier than they should. And then some players who might come off the board a little later than they should.
0: Okay. Um,
1: should we talk about the the bears and uh, trading up?
0: <laughs> yeah, let's because talk about that. Um,
1: I, I think, I think that makes sense for just about everyone involved. I, I mean, the, the worm has really turned for Jay Cutler in Chicago I don't think there's any question about that I think yeah. it would be it would behoove everyone for him to get a fresh start you look at the Tennessee Titans at number two he's the type of quarterback that Ken would not hunt covets he's a he's, he'd be a veteran pocket passer played his college ball in the state of Tennessee at Vanderbilt so there'd be a level of comfort comfort there for Cutler and he'd get a fresh start and the Bears could shed his, not only shed his contract, but if you can replace him with Marcus Mariota, who it's a risk. Sure, it's a risk, but Jay Cutler is a risk at this point. Uh, I, I just think that if 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 you could turn Marcus Mariota in that seventh pick, or excuse me, Jay Cutler in that seventh pick into Marcus Mariota, I think that would be something worthwhile for the Bears to explore. Uh, just give everybody a fresh start at the game's most crucial position. So, uh, because at, at this point. Things have turned so bad for Jay Cutler in Chicago. It might it might be an almost untenable situation at this point. It's, it's going to be rough. The first interception he throws, it's going to get ugly really quick, I think, with the, the Bears fan base. So I, I think if the, Bears, if the Bears can find another quarterback, especially a top young quarterback like Marcus Mariota, I think it would be worth exploring. And I think Tennessee might be willing to listen.
0: But do you think, because one of the reasons, the, actually the main reason that I object is because I'm I'm not really concerned about whether or not Mariota can make it in the NFL or anything. That's not why I really object to it. Um, One of the big things that, that I am worried about is what the price tag will be to get from seven to two if the Bears feel like they won't be able to get Mariota at seven. Do you think that that's all it would take is Jay Cutler and number seven to move up to number two? Because, like I said, the reason that I'm concerned is that You know, like last year, the you know, the the um, the bills just to go from nine to four gave up this year's first round pick uh, to the Browns. I don't want the Bears giving away draft picks, especially for a GM who said he wants to build the team through the draft.
1: And, and I don't think the cost would be that exorbitant. And if, if it did come down to that, where you're talking two, three first round picks, then I, I wouldn't be uh, I I wouldn't be I would be opposed to that as well. I, I, I don't think uh you should mortgage the future, but but I don't think it would cost that much. Now, it would cost more than just Cutler and number seven, maybe a second round pick or maybe a third and oh. fourth round pick. I I don't know what it would be, but but. I mean, I I know you're. I can hear by your voice you're reluctant to maybe give up a second round pick, but yes. does does it matter who they get in the second round if they don't have a, a quarterback? Because I mean, let's face it, everyone. JJ Watt just had one of the most incredible defensive seasons we've ever seen for a defensive player in the history of the NFL. His team didn't even make the playoffs because they don't have a quarterback. Quarterbacks win championships, and until you have a championship level quarterback, you're just spinning your wheels. So if if they are that down on Jay Cutler. I I think you do whatever it takes. I'm of the opinion that it's impossible to overpay for a franchise quarterback. And Now, I'm a little bit of a Jay Cutler apologist. I always have been. I think you can do a lot worse. Is he the perfect scenario? No, especially at this point. uh, He kind of is what he is at this point in his career. But, but boy, if you think Jay Cutler's bad – Take a look at what the Cleveland Browns have been trotting out there for the right. last couple decades. So you could do a lot worse than Jay Cutler, but I just think it would be the best for every I just think everybody involved would win in that trade. I think the Titans would win, the Bears would win, Jay Cutler would win.
0: <laughs> I just you know, and, and for me, as a lifelong Bear fan, it's it's not so much reluctant to give up a second round pick. It's just that the Bears, in my opinion, and maybe you might disagree, the Bears have had more success with second third fourth round guys than they've had with their first round guys historically you know it's very rare you know for every kyle long that the bears have drafted over the years there are a dozen um oh who, the other offensive lineman they draft karimi there are a dozen of those Kareemis in there that they've taken but, you know, there's there's always a Mike Brown or a Charles Tillman, uh, you know, or an Alshon Jeffrey that they take in the second, third round that become lifelong bears where these guys in the first round that are supposed to be franchise players end up in not surviving their first contract if they even make it that far. Yeah. And
1: it's a valid concern. And I have as many concerns about Marcus Mariota as anybody, but you have to at least try at the quarterback position. That's my philosophy. And and I'm never going to criticize the team for trying. And if they don't believe Jay Cutler is the answer, then you need to go find the answer. And, and and believe me, as a draft pick, I love those second and third round picks too. I'd be every bit as reluctant to give them up. But at the end of the day, just to kind of make a comparison, it's like if you have a, a sports car and you go and you get a sound system put in and you, and you, you, you go and you put on fancy rims, but if you don't have an engine, none of it matters. The quarterback <laughs> is the engine. If, if you don't have a quarterback, you have nothing. And, and it, it, that has to be your top priority. So if they don't feel Jay Cutler is the answer, they have to go find the answer. So, yeah. uh, and, and they might not have this opportunity anytime soon. They are within striking range of Mariota. They're close yeah. enough where a deal could get done. Uh, I think if that opportunity presents itself, you have to at least explore it.
0: Especially well, you know, because of the
1: public relations perspective, I mean, you can probably speak to it more than I have. I, am I overstating how bad things have gotten between Jay Cutler and the fan base or or no. is it truly going to be untenable? I mean, is there a chance that week one in the NFL season they're calling for his head, and it's just going to be a, an entire season of controversy oh,
0: well we we bear fans we're a passionate bunch. If he throws a pick in game game one of the preseason, they'll be looking for yeah. for Cutler to be you know staked and you know drawn and quartered right there. Uh, and so field um you know it it's just you know what i was saying before with with the draft picks was i mean i i even look back to when the bears traded for cutler and they gave up those two first round picks to get him i really wasn't upset that the bears gave up the first two the two first round picks because i remember talking to my best friend about it was like you know well who cares if they gave up first round picks our first round picks always suck You know, these are always guys like, hey, you know, we take this guy and, you know, he gets injured in training camp or, you know, he's not exactly what the Bears thought he was going to be. But the second, third and fourth rounder ended up having, you know, staying for five or six years. Um, You know, that's why I was always more concerned, not really so much concerned that they would give up a first round pick, but that they would give up, you know, a third and a fourth rounder or a second and a fourth rounder or whatever uh, to to move up uh, uh, as well uh, in that draft. I just... um, (laughs) <laughs> well, and, and
1: I think you have to give the new regime and the new decision makers the benefit of the doubt. This is going to be a, a different group of people making these decisions. And and the other thing I would say is you can't allow yourself to be paralyzed by fear of the past. Uh, what if the Minnesota Vikings had passed on Teddy Bridgewater because it didn't work out with Christian Ponder? Right. Uh, where would the Minnesota Vikings be right now? With Matt Castle as our quarterback or still Christian Ponder? So... Uh, especially when it comes to the quarterback position, you have to swing the bat. You have to at least try. And and that's why even when Ponder went 12th overall, I, I, I thought he was a second round talent. I thought that was a colossal reach, but I couldn't kill the Vikings because at least they were trying. They had a conviction. They swung the bat. It's better than just standing there at the plate with the bat on your shoulders while you strike out. Like, for example, I think the Houston Texans, Brian Hoyer. I mean, I don't think he's the solution. I'd rather take a shot on Brett Hundley, who, if you listened to this whole interview earlier, I, have, I'm, I think Hundley could, could completely bust. But at least you've got to try. And if the Bears have any doubts about whether or not Jay Cutler is the solution, they need to make every effort to upgrade that position. Because I, I don't want to sound like I'm on repeat, but you have to get a quarterback. Nothing else matters. Now, a great quarterback doesn't guarantee you're going to win, but it almost guarantees that you're not going to win if you don't have one.
0: You know, and and I agree with you, but the the one thing that you said in there that you mentioned is the thing that scares me as to why this draft might, or excuse me, why this trade might take place is that because this isn't something that the Bears do because they are in striking distance because this is a new regime looking to make a splash that that's why this 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 seems like a move tailor made for the Bears in this point in time with the way it, and how untenable it can be uh, for Cutler. I mean, because I mean, just looking at my Facebook timeline when it was decided that the Bears were going to keep Cutler exploded with all the people that hate Cutler. The same thing with the Twitter feed. Like, I can't believe that they're doing this and so on and so forth. Uh, You know, salary cap, uh, uh, you know, penalties be damned. We should be getting rid of him and and so on and and so forth. Um, (laughs) I I don't mind. Like, I like the idea of going out and getting Mariota because it's not something that the Bears would typically do. I'm just, I'm wary of the price tag and how it will hurt us in the future.
1: Well, and the price tag might not be so exorbitant. It might not require multiple first round picks or a ton of these premium draft picks because if you are of the opinion that the Titans aren't going to take Marcus Mariota at number two, which I tend to agree with, the Jaguars aren't at three. The Raiders aren't at four. Right. You might only have to leapfrog the Jets at six. Just move up from seven to five, which would be negligible. Maybe a third-round pick might be able to get that done to get Mariota at number five. I think Washington would be willing to move down a couple spots. Uh, so it, 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 you might not have to forfeit this king's ransom, and, and and that's the thing too. It's not like this isn't one of those years like a year ago where if, oh, if we don't get Blake Bortles or Teddy Bridgewater, we can get uh, Johnny or uh, a. Uh, 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 excuse me a Jimmy Garoppolo in the second round it's not it's not like there's all these other great options beyond the first round I I think anytime you're waiting on a quarterback you're already playing with fire but especially this year there might only be two legitimate starting quarterback prospects in this class so if you have uncertainty at that position I'd do whatever I could to to make sure I got one of them so uh, if I'm the Chicago Bears and there's an opportunity to get Marcus Mariota I'm seriously considering it.
0: Well, and and I think that they are. I, I really do think that they are seriously considering it, which is why I'm I'm not uh, ruling it out. The other thing that that kind of makes me worried about Marcus Mariota is that he wore number eight in college, which means he would wear eight for the Bears, and eight was worn by Cade McNown. <laughs> I was gonna say Cade and McNown and Rex Grossman. So that is a bad luck number. Hopefully, he would flip the script, or or maybe. God help me if Jimmy Clausen didn't feel like giving up his number because that's what he wore last year and Mariota has to wear something else. So I only hope and pray that if we do get Mariota, he wants to wear a different number uh, when he's under center for us because that number eight has been a, has been a death knell. Uh, it, lately.
1: I, I think Chicago would be a pretty darn good situation for Mariota as well. They, they've got a pretty good offensive line that they've addressed in recent yep. years. they got a, a true number one go-to receiver in Alshon Jeffrey. So they've got some of the pieces in place and and because it's a, a new coaching staff, they could kind of build their offense around him. I I don't think they're going to go full Chip Kelly and, and install that type of system, but they could incorporate elements of that if they bring in Mariota now, which would be easier to do than if you're bringing in a guy like that a year or two from now when your system's Already in place and everybody's accustomed to it, so uh, I, I think it has to be a viable option for the Chicago Bears. And 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 because and they have that leeway too because they've addressed some of these other needs on defense throughout free agency. So, um, I I, I if I were a Chicago Bears fan, that's what I would be hoping for.
0: Oh, you know, you're you're slowly but surely talking me into it here, but I still I would much rather happy have to see a Kevin White or Amari Cooper uh you know at number 7 then trading up or anything like that uh, and it's uh a risk.
1: Don't, don't don't get me wrong any quarterback in the first round is basically a 50-50 proposition but it's much lower beyond the first round your chances of finding a, a really good starting quarterback beyond the first round i did a study a few years ago and i th- it, it might the i think the rate's gone up a little bit since then but you're still talking High single digits, percentage-wise, of getting a really good starting quarterback beyond the first round. So, if you got, if you want one, you're going to have to take that chance. And in Mariota the concern is about the system. I mean, that's where all the concerns stem from because physically he's got everything you look for by all accounts. He's a tremendous kid. He's a hard worker. He's a leader. He has all those intangibles you look for. So Marcus Mariota, it's a risk, but it's not necessarily a huge risk. Uh, I think it's a worthwhile chance to take simply because I I, I'll say it one more time. If you don't have a quarterback, you're just spinning your wheels.
0: Right? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. I'm just, uh, I'm just I'm worried more about twenty sixteen and beyond than I am about twenty fifteen to be honest with you um just because I know i I don't really have expectations for twenty fifteen for the bears just because twenty fourteen was about as awful as it could possibly be not not only on the field but off the field as well with the turmoil and all of the the stuff that just absolutely just ransacked uh the organization twenty fifteen you know. We could win five games, but be markedly improved on the field, and then be monsters in 2016, and so on. It's it just be, just I think most Bear fans, including myself, are just happy. 2014 is over, and basically the remnants of that season are all gone now, with with Tressman and and Emery and all that uh, being gone. So I, you know, I'm not really sure what to expect this year. It's 2016 and beyond that I'm probably more more concerned about.
1: Well, but but the the problem is is when are you going to have the opportunity to get a top quarter quarterback? Pr- yeah, yeah. if, if you win seven, eight games next year, that takes you out of the range to get an elite quarterback prospect yeah, in the 2016 yeah. draft. Uh, and, unless you just think you're going to completely bottom out and be a, a two-win team and be picking in the top three to five overall, which I don't think is in the Bears' thought process, and I don't think it should be. I don't think they, if they win two or three games, they massively underachieved. So uh, we talked earlier about Right now, they are in realistic striking distance of Mariota. If you have, if you don't have a franchise quarterback and you think you can get one, I think you have to take advantage. You have to seize the day and go do it because you don't know when you're going to be in this position again. Look at the St. Louis Rams. How many years did they have top draft picks and they kept sticking with Sam Bradford? They kept passing all these quarterback prospects, and now look where they are. They're in what I like to call quarterback purgatory, along with right. the Texans, where they don't have a quarterback and they're never going to contend until they find a high level quarterback, but they've surrounded the, the, the team with enough talent on both sides of the ball where it's unlikely they're going to completely bottom out and be picking at the top of draft again. So, so what do you do? You're, you're spinning your wheels trying to make the playoffs and go out in the first round every year. And, right. and I, I'd rather, if that's the case, I'd rather just bottom out and, and give myself an opportunity to get a stud quarterback because in the game of football, quarterbacks are all that matters.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. You know, it I and mean, as an old offensive lineman, I, I always like to say it it always starts up front, but even the best offensive lineman can't throw a touchdown pass for you. So How many uh, playoff you know, games
1: has Joe Thomas played in?
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> I, you know what? You're right. Matt Khalil and you know, those guys haven't played in any playoff games either
1: and i'm with you too i mean i love those guys in the trenches I, i'm a, a offensive defensive line guy at heart as well down at the senior bowl i said if i could just watch those guys go one-on-one in the pit all week i'd love to do that eventually yeah. i have to go watch those pretty boys throw and catch the ball but um but it it, it, it it regardless of how i feel about it it doesn't change the reality that the game of football revolves around the quarterback position and if you don't have one you, you have nothing
0: yeah scott you're just you're just making way too much sense now i, I was you know, totally writing up, like, the Mariota thing is insane. It's insanity. I don't want the Bears to do it. And I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe it's a good idea. I don't know. Go out and get Mariota. Cause, and, and, you know, here I am talking about the future in 2016. And the one thing that I believe about 2016 is that Jake Cutler will not be on this team in 2016. Well, then it should that's, be a no-brainer. Then if you yeah. go get
1: Mariota, you have to do it. The well, only that, reason you wouldn't know, is if you think Cutler can get the job done.
0: <laughs> right. And, and, you know, and that's the other thing. I think Cutler can. You know, I, I think color can it's will he It's always been the question. And unfortunately, up to this point, it, most nine times out of 10, the answer has been no, that there have been those days where he's been absolutely brilliant. It's like, you know what? This is why we got him. This is why we gave up those picks. This is why we built, you know, when got the offensive lineman and stuff like for, for this. This is why we did it. And then, you know, have those days where we'll throw five picks against one team and, and none of those throws makes any sense. And uh, and and so on. And I know I'm just like fighting my own common sense here and saying we shouldn't go out and get a quarterback of the future when the quarterback we have now will most likely not be on the roster uh, in 2016. Uh, You know, like I said, I just don't want the Bears giving up uh, King's ransom and picks to do it as other teams have in the past to move up to the number two spot in the draft
1: and and I think you can win with Jay Cutler too. He's not going to be uh, uh, the Drew Brees, the Tom Brady, the Peyton Manning, the Andrew Luck that can single-handedly put his team on a back and, and lead them to a championship game, but in the right circumstances I do still think you can win with Jay Cutler. Uh but but at this point too, I think it's pro- at this point in his career, what is he? 32, 33 years old. He's been in the league for a decade. It's it's probably unrealistic for to expect him to become something else. He is what he is at this point. Uh, you got to take the good with the bad. And, and, and if you don't if you aren't willing to do that, or you don't think that that's going to get the job done, then you need to do whatever it takes to go find a, another high level quarterback. And, and I, I just echo one more time. When are the bears going to be picking? When are they going to be within striking range again? So, because unless you think they're just going to really go in the tank and be one of the worst teams in the league next year, you better take advantage of this opportunity while you have it or risk ending up like the st louis rams or the houston Texans.
0: yeah no i definitely agree with you on that one scott uh any final words here about this draft and what you think how it's going to be or uh, anything like that
1: I think this draft has kind of gotten a, a, a bad shake to a certain degree. Uh, people talk about it. Maybe it isn't a strong draft. I don't think that could be any further from the truth. I think it's a well above average class, not only in terms of the, the, the elite talent at the top, but I, I think the depth is also very impressive. Now, I, I think the second tier... Maybe there might not be a lot of difference between, say, the third pick and the 13th pick value wise, talent wise, but uh, there's going to be good depth. And in fact, while working on my new mock draft, one revelation I had is just that just how good the depth is going to be, because I have teams getting players in late round two that they were going to consider in late round one. So there's okay. going to be good value available all throughout the draft. So so anybody that says this is a bad draft, don't listen to them. There's no such thing as a bad draft. Some years <laughs> you have to look a little harder than others, but this isn't even that. This isn't like a couple years ago in, a, a, what was it, 2013, where it was just kind of a, an abomination. Uh, this, this isn't to that degree at all. There's a lot of good football players available in this class, uh, as, as long as as long as you don't need a quarterback.
0: <laughs> right. All right, well, that's uh, you know, Scott Wright, uh, NFLDraftCountdown.com or DraftCountdown.com. What's your, your Skype tag again?
1: Uh, yep, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at DraftCountdown, uh, and also check out the DraftCountdown podcast. I'm really proud of it. I think we've had some interesting shows this year. You can either get it through DraftCountdown.com or you can find it on iTunes.
0: All right, well, that's Scott Wright. Thanks so much uh, for joining us, Scott, and um, you know, maybe try to get you after the draft to see what you think of the Bears class and and so on and so forth, huh?
1: Sure. Uh, it was. It, I appreciate you having me. It was fun talking. And uh, make sure you go out now and order that Bears mariota jersey right away.
0: Yes, absolutely. I will go out and get them custom made as I speak.
1: Thanks Not so no much great, for joining though. me, Scott.
0: <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right. Bye bye. <coughs> so there you have it, folks. The uh, the talk with the with the great uh, Scott right there. Had a great time talking to him. Like I said, hopefully we'll get him back um, after the draft. A very busy guy. Does comp does uh, interviews all over. All over the country, I see, you know, he does radio appearances and so on. He also, like you said, has his podcast that he has on iTunes, so check that out for any of you draftniks uh, out there. Uh, Also, check out his website. Uh, His latest mock draft should be going up uh, fairly soon. He said he was still working on it. Uh, Has the Bears taken Amari Cooper? I think he did allude to uh, during our conversation. So uh, give that a look-see and uh, see what else uh, may be going down in in his opinion. So uh, thanks again to Scott Wright. Thanks so much, everybody, for for listening. Once again, we will be back after the draft. So first week in May for sure uh, to talk about this new draft class. Like I said, we always wait until after uh, the Bears have signed their undrafted free agents um, uh, to see you know what eight or ten or twelve guys they add uh, to the roster. Uh, before uh, you know, we come out with the uh, the draft review show. So once the Bears sign their, their undrafted free agents, a day or so later, we'll be back to uh, to analyze this draft class and see where the Bears are going forward. Maybe even have a few reports on on how the Bears are doing with their with their OTAs because they start on Monday, April thirteenth. So this coming Monday, the Bears have their first official practices under the new head coach. John Fox, and we'll see what the reports sound like uh, coming out of there. So, um, you know, uh, once again, thanks to Scott Wright. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you after the draft. Until then, my name is Larry D., and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.